Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Alana Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Alana Enquirer publisher with you. And boy, what a whirlwind the last week has been. From Kevin Warren, the Big Ten Commissioner on BTN, announcing a 2020 schedule that Illinois fans are all up in arms about with Ohio State and Penn State on the schedule uh, bookending it. Now, just a few days later, the Big Ten announces it is postponing the fall football season, all fall sports, and that they are going to try, hopefully, for a spring season. Pac-12 decides to follow suit with the Big Ten, but the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12 say, no, we are going to continue forging ahead. So you have about half of the FBS conferences deciding to not play football this fall, and the other half, with similar medical information, forging forward. It is an odd time. It is a schism in college football right now, and we want to talk about it and get to know every little angle about what's happening from a national perspective. Of course, there's a lot of Illinois angles we can get into, but I think first, what is happening on the national stage is really important. That includes Kevin Warren, the new Big Ten commissioner, the chancellors and presidents at these Big Ten universities, as well as Pac-12 universities compared to what is happening in the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12. Chris Hummer, 24-7 Sports, covers the national stage, and he's had an interesting uh, perspective on all of this. And we dive into just what the Big Ten did, how it handled going about postponing the season, the reasons they did that, which I think for some uh, it makes a lot of sense, and for others think that they kind of botched this entire process of leading to that decision, uh, but also what it means for the other conferences that are forging ahead and playing football. And, and kind of the spotlight that is now on them moving into the fall and how it impacts the Big Ten moving forward. Uh, we dive into all of those things, how we can pull a spring football season off if that is really feasible. Let's dive into every angle of college football in the national landscape and how the Big Ten's regional decision impacts it all. We'll talk with Chris Hummer, 24-7 Sports, about it next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Chris Hummer, 24-7 Sports, covers college football from a national perspective for us. And Chris, uh, this has been a crazy week. I'm I'm just wondering, is, is someone from your perspective who does cover football from the national scene, what have these last few days been like for you? I mean, they've been they've been insane. Like, I just feel like ever since I think it was was it Saturday? I want to say where kind of rumors of the Big Ten season being canceled started to really pop up. I think I was I think I was playing golf for the first time in probably like four months, and then I kind of got text about that, and I like probably stopped midway through to make a bunch of calls. And it's it's been wild, man. Like, and two league, two Power Five leagues canceling within two hours of each other and I know it's not particularly unexpected that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 moved in lockstep but it's just wild that we've kind of gotten to this point even though I think we all have kind of pulled ourselves in the back of our minds that like losing the season was a real possibility it just it's still kind of surreal that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 won't play football in 2020. And I think for a lot of us, Chris, the, the timing of it was almost a little bit jarring because last week you have this backdrop and even if they're putting qualifiers on, hey, we, we still don't know if we're going to play it, but you know, the Big Ten's releasing schedules. Other conferences are, are, are you know releasing these schedules of giving us hope and, and hey, practice is starting uh, in a couple days. And then just a few days later, you see the MAC cancel over the weekend, the Mountain West cancels. What was so significant about the MAC and then the Mountain West shutting down? Was it significant, or what do you make of all the timing of this? I don't. I don't personally think the MAC's decision or the Mountain West decision had a lot of bearing on what the Big Ten, the Pac-12, went ahead and did. Those um, conferences kind of play in different ballparks, simply from a kind of a testing protocol standpoint and what they can afford to do. Um, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 could have, if they opted to, opted to test kids two or three times a week. That's just not a possibility at a math school. Like a Bowling Green's got a athletic budget every year of about $30 million. Like to do that testing for an entire football season for a, even an eight-game schedule would be oh, pushing a million dollars or $2 million for the season. So that's not possible. But I did think it provided a little bit of cover um, for presidents that might have been a little skittish to move forward with canceling. Um, once one domino falls, it's much easier to push the other ones over. And I think we very much saw that with the Big Ten and the Pac-12. But even to that point, I still haven't really heard a convincing answer as to why the season was canceled yesterday and they were deciding to move forward a week before. I know some of the heart issues have kind of scared the bejesus out of a lot of administrators with so the liability aspect with that a young man could potentially have long-term health complications um, from this virus. And there are a lot of unknown answers with that. Certainly scares a lot of people, but it is, it's still really jarring to me that these players are allowed to be on campus and practice and went through some practice sessions, risking injury potentially, as we talked about a little while ago before this call started and they still went ahead and canceled kind of, throughout all that with everybody in the dark. It's just, it's a very odd time. And it's even odder still when you consider that the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are basically looking at the same medical information and talking with the same experts as the SEC, ACC, and the Big 12. And those three leagues decided they can go forward. So it's just, it's a really odd time. And I don't, I don't know if anybody really has a perfect answer as to what's happened recently. I just think it was a combination of things that 
started to tip the scale one way and three other conferences decided they did not want to go there at least to this point. Obviously, Chris, I don't think anybody wants to make these decisions, and these are very difficult decisions, and I don't think any of us envy uh, the university chancellors, presidents, and even commissioners that are having to make uh, these type of decisions. But how did you make of how the Big Ten, especially kind of being the leader that led the Pac-12 here, uh, how do you think they handled it specifically? Kevin Warren, who this is his first year on the job and, and thrown into the fire here, how do you think he and the Big Ten handled this? It was it was a bit of a mess. Um, I don't envy the position Kevin Warren was in. Following Jim Delaney is not an easy task. And for this to kind of be your baptism by fire moment is very difficult. Um, but I certainly think if you were considering canceling the season, and the information hasn't changed all that much from five days ago or six days ago when they released their schedule initially. You shouldn't release those schedules. I know on the call yesterday, um, kind of with Big Ten Network, he cited the need to plan and to push forward. But you can certainly plan internally without releasing those schedule dates and creating a, some, some optimism and um, kind of clarity for a lot of your players and your coaches that their season at least has a chance to start. And for them to have to cancel the season just six days later is a bit of a PR nightmare. And you can see with the way that coaches and some administrators, specifically at places like Nebraska, very vocally pushed back. It was not received well. And this is just it's a really tough moment for Kevin Warren. I'm From everything I've heard about Kevin Warren, he is a guy that is very well-respected and has the chops to handle this job. But this is a really, really rocky start. And I don't, I think it's going to be kind of tough for him to come back from this from a public perception standpoint in a lot of ways. Like if you're a conference commissioner in that place, fans can beat up on you very quickly and it's tough to kind of cycle back from that. And I think it's going to be a long road for Kevin Warren, certainly in that regard. It certainly felt that whenever Jim Delaney uh, announced something or had a decision. He had everyone on the same page. There was, you know, very little, you know, backlash from within his league. Uh, with Kevin Warren, I mean, even Lovey Smith, uh, who, who's taken this very seriously and has been, you know, outspoken on, on many issues, including racial injustice. Um, you know, even he was sitting there saying, what, "What's changed? Why wouldn't we move forward?" Um, so, what what do you think the impact of that could be long term? That you have a Big Ten that's usually in lockstep that seems a little. Um, divided right now. I mean, in that in that regard, I think the Big Ten's going to be fine. What is the um, like the TV rights deal and the charter goes through? Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's 2034 in the Big Ten. Is that right? I think that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, like that's a really long time. Like it doesn't matter how mad Nebraska is in 2020 about not getting to play football. Nebraska's not going anywhere. I think I saw a Jim Delaney quote to Yahoo that says we'll essentially see you out and keep your $40 million revenue share kind of and distribute it amongst the people who wants to play. And I think that's the reality in the big 10. Like you might be upset and you might not like the decision, but um, there's enough time to kind of heal those and soothe those wounds. But um, I certainly think there's gonna be a lot of pressure on him to make a spring schedule work. If not only just from a recruiting perspective, because coaches that certainly coaches and administrators, I've been placed in a really tough decision with the Big Ten kind of going on on its own here. Um, and I can totally understand, and I understand the point that the other conferences might soon follow him and might soon follow the Big Ten, and they might look like they're out ahead of this. But for now, there's certainly 
facing their share of um, kind of PR criticisms, not only within the Big Ten to Kevin Warren, but around the country in places like recruiting, where um, I can tell you right now, SEC coaches are hopping on the phone and saying, like, see, care a little bit more about football and we're going to play here. <laughs> I want to get around to the spring football and, and what that could look like, Chris, and all the challenges that go into there. But some thought the Big Ten would be the big domino, right, that that everyone would follow. The Pac-12 followed, and they have been kind of in lockstep with each other throughout this. But we've seen the other Power Five conferences, the ACC, the SEC, as well as the Big 12, push forward with their plans. So we currently have, I, I hate to use the word schism, in, in college football about its plans about how to approach playing football during a pandemic. you got individual conferences making different decisions what does this just tell us about college football structure and, and the role the NCAA plays in all of this? I think schism is a great word. And I think, I think it's funny. Like one thing about college football that I think all of us have long known and always like loved a little bit is this is the freaking mess. Like there are 130 FBS teams. There's 10 conference commissioners. There's countless boosters and presidents that kind of factor into the decision-making on a local level and sometimes on a national level. And what you have at the end of the day is hundreds of power brokers and players kind of that make college football work. And there is no single entity at the top um, to kind of make everything function correctly if something goes wrong. Sometimes, like, the chaos is cool. Like, it's fun that they, we could have debates like 2014 when the Big 12 doesn't have a conference championship game and we have Ohio State versus TCU and Baylor. It's a bit of a mess, but college football always kind of finds its way to work through it. But right now it's exposing an inherent flaw kind of in the structure of the sport. There is no single entity to kind of guide things. And I think we all expect that to be the NCAA. And I think a lot of the criticism lobbied at the NCAA right now is entirely fair. While they might not have actual decision-making power over college football, and I'll, I'll explain that briefly in a second, mm-hmm. they still have a place as a guide. Mark Emmert still has a role to play in terms of setting the tone in college athletics. And they have been silent the last, I want to say, couple weeks. I believe on Monday, the President of the United States commented three times <laughs> on college football. Mark Emmert hasn't said anything. and I Honestly, I can't remember the last time I heard Mark Emmert talk on the record to the press. So it, is, it has been a long time, and part of that has to do with the Supreme Court, in the ni- court case in the 1980s that essentially took away bowl rights and TV rights and um, kind of leadership rights to um, games. Um, the Oklahoma sued the NCAA, and eventually it led to the conference commissioners having the power in college football to kind of run the postseason. So the NCAA doesn't have a say there, but at the end of the day, like the NCAA is the leading force in college athletics and for it to be utterly silent in this moment is kind of baffling. And Chris, I'm just wondering the SEC, ACC, big 12 pushing forward. Um, does it with the big 10 and PAC 12 making these decisions, the Ivy league, which obviously is very respected, uh, the Mac, the mountain West, what does that, how does that impact the SEC, ACC and big 12 as they try to push forward? Does this put more pressure on them to do this with, no complications, which seems pretty difficult in the pandemic. Oh, certainly. I mean, the pressure was put on last night. I think, as I understand it, talking to one or two people out there, the Big 12 had some pretty heated discussions internally about whether a season could work. And I can tell you for a fact, presidents and administrators know they're under more pressure now that um, 
essentially 40% of the FBS has kind of stepped away. Um, our colleague at 24-7 Sports, Bud Elliott, um, brought this up earlier. It's kind of the idea of industry standard. Um, that's a, more of a legal term, but essentially um, whatever the industry standard is means that it's harder to kind of sue somebody if you break away from that. But with 40% of college football stepping away from the season, saying it's unsafe to play, the industry standard of it is safe to play a college football season becomes a little more shaky. And while 60% is still the majority, like you do wonder the liability questions that'll come with a college football season if something goes wrong um, when only 60% or maybe 40% of some of the other group of five leagues back away uh, when the season's played. So I think, I think certainly there's a ton of pressure here on the remaining schools to kind of get this done right and to play safely, which as we all know, is far from a guarantee in the middle of a pandemic, which is why I would certainly stress that even though the other leagues are planning to play for now, like there's still a major, major question mark over the season starting in mid-September. The Big Ten in its releasing it postponed the fall football season is hoping to have a spring football season, Chris. And uh, we're starting to see Ryan Day this morning said he wants that to start in January, which there are weather concerns, I guess, with that. But what are the biggest challenges of, of, of spring football and, and how do you think it could be pulled off and do you think it can be? I mean, there, there are many challenges. I think, I think it would be silly for them not to try the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. I think you have to try to push forward. Um, the perception of not playing a season in 2020 is really rough, or 2021, I guess, at that point. But in terms of challenges, um, health and safety is going to be at the forefront of that. Um, anytime you ask a student-athlete to play a season, um, you're putting them in kind of danger and risk. Like, football's not an easy sport to play, but when you double that total in a calendar year, think about the number of hits the student-athlete's going to take in that time without the time normally allotted to letting their body recover. It's going to add up, and injuries are going to spike. Um, I think there are ways around that, potentially. The fall season's short, certainly going to have to be, or I mean, the spring season would certainly have to be shortened. Um, I think six games feels like an ideal number in a lot of ways. Maybe the two um, conferences play a division-only schedule and then have like a conference championship game at the end of it um, for a six- or seven-game model. And you're going to have to finish the season in a reasonable amount of time to kind of give players the chance to recover. And I want to point out that second biggest hurdle and it's a really important one as well is the NFL draft is currently scheduled for April and I know for a fact top players around the country are not going to play this spring um, and put their NFL futures at risk. I talked to a lot of parents and kind of people close to top draft picks a couple weeks ago for a story and the consensus was there's almost no chance they're playing come springtime. There's just too much to risk. But I I think even like mid-tier NFL prospects might sit out. We might get to a scenario in which they're asked to play in February and we have a hundred or 120 players, let's say it's nationwide playing in this situation sit out just because like there's too much to risk ahead of the NFL draft and ahead of the NFL draft process, which is likely to stay in March and April. So those are, those are two really big challenges, both the health and safety and actually having uh, your top players and uh, kind of stars on the field. 
And then just from, I guess, an everyday player who might not be a draft prospect, Illinois has a lot of guys uh, that seemingly might not even be that top 120, but but have a chance to get drafted. It'll be interesting to see their decisions. But uh, just from a roster standpoint, we're still going to have signing days, right? And um, how are they going to handle eligibility? How are they going to handle, um, you know, scholarship limits, Chris? Those Those are some huge questions, too. Yeah, and I'm writing a piece right now at 24-7 that'll be up soon or uh, maybe when this podcast is up that kind of dives into a lot of these questions like what are early enrollees going to do? What are scholarship limitations going to look like? And to be honest, right now, a lot of the questions are just simply like, we don't know. Um, We have the spring kind of sports being canceled as a baseline uh, back then. The NCAA uh, Division One Council granted eligibility to all uh, student athletes who've lost their season and they expanded scholarship rosters for the 2021 um, kind of calendar year um, to kind of make up for those issues, uh, which sounds nice, but we have to remember it's a little different for a baseball team with partial scholarships to expand their roster and to give out a few more partial scholarships in a semester than it would be for Illinois to jump from 85 scholarships to 110 scholarships the next year because none of their players had a chance to play um, their 2020 seasons. So that's a huge question, and how are teams going to pay for that? And then I think it's also really interesting what's going to happen with early enrollees, which kind of plays a part in that. Like, a lot of these guys are not going to even have a um, senior season, so they could potentially show up on campus and be asked to play a spring season without kind of time in the weight room that's usually necessary to transform their bodies. Or there's a scenario in which they could burn two years of eligibility within a calendar year as they play in the spring and in the fall. So there are just so many questions stemming from this situation that are pretty unknown at this point. I would say, and I know I'm droning on, about the eligibility aspect of things. The NCAA a couple weeks ago requested that its uh, member divisions have a final answer on eligibility questions for the 2020 season if players opt out by August 14th. So at least on that point, we should have some clarity pretty soon. And Chris, just a big picture here, um, a, a lost season, say there is no spring ball. Um, I mean, financially, the impact of that, but what, what if the SEC and Big 12 and ACC pull this off and the Big 10 and, and Pac-12 don't? I, I'm just wondering, you know, what could be the ramifications of all of that? Um, just not even just on college football, but college athletics i think it'll be really interesting um if three leagues play a full season in the fall and the other two don't play at all um i would certainly think it shifts the power dynamic it's going to be really difficult and 24 7 the recruiting site so i always kind of return here but um it's going to be very difficult for teams in the pac 12 and the big 10 to recruit against teams and other conferences um, that are going to really stress their priority on playing and making sure student athletes have the best path possible to the NFL. There will be rebuttals in those situations that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 care more about players as humans, but um, that'll end up getting settled on the trail. But from a financial standpoint, and I think that's probably the more important question, it's going to be, I don't want to say a dagger, but it's going to put the Big Ten and the Pac-12 at a significant, significant competitive advantage. Uh, in the near and probably long-term future, we're talking about um, Pac-12 teams and Big Ten teams losing between, I want to say, 60 and $100 million in revenue in a lot of cases. 
um, sometimes more, like a place like Ohio State, the answer is going to be more. And that's very difficult to contend with, even especially when you consider other schools will be getting at least some of that revenue back through television contracts and the like. So we could be talking about teams in the Big Ten and the Pac-12 being $50 million in the hole, which makes a difference when you're talking about hiring coaches, kind of the bidding war that is kind of recruit. Sorry, that is the arms race in college football with facilities and things of the like. All of those things are going to come into play, and it's going to—it would certainly disadvantage those two leagues in a pretty significant way. Didn't think we'd ever be talking about issues like this uh, when we turned the calendar to 2020, but here we are. Chris Armour covers it well, 24-7 sports. He might have some SEC, ACC, and Big 12 games to cover uh, this year and and react to. We'll see how long they can do that. Uh, But the Big 10 and Pac-12 are a no-go, at least until the spring. Chris, as always, thank you for the insight. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on. Great insight from Chris Hummer about everything that's happened and all the impacts that could have moving forward. And of course, from an Illinois perspective, there are so many angles we could take with this. Lovey Smith, just hours before this Big Ten announcement was made, really just about an hour and a half, uh, was adamant he wanted to try and play football. You know, Illinois felt very confident in its medical protocols, its testing system, which seems to be as robust as any in the country. And Josh Whitman certainly uh, had expressed a lot of optimism about playing football and optimism about how Illinois was handling this. We're going to hear from both of them to later today. We're also going to hear from Chancellor Robert Jones, who ultimately, along with Tim Colleen, the president of the University of Illinois system, made their vote. They're the ones who voted on this, not Josh Whitman, not Lovey Smith. So it'll be very interesting to hear from his perspective as administrator about why this decision was made and uh, why they felt this was the best way to go and just the impact of it and really the dichotomy of not allowing football or, or sports but allowing students to come back on campus. So I'm very interested to hear from all three of those people uh, today in the decision-making process and and especially Robert Jones, who was a decider uh, in this, along with Tim Colleen. We'll have coverage of that on IlliniInquire.com. We have a lot of interesting content up there now. I chatted with Luke Ford's father about this decision, and he has personal experience with COVID, being a medical professional and someone in his family. Uh, has dealt with a bad case of it as well, uh, but he was disappointed and uh, stunned by the Big Ten's decision yesterday. So read about that on the site. Also recently chatted with Blake Hayes' father uh, from Australia, got on a Zoom call with him about what it's been like for him. And, and he's got a little bit dis- different perspective. He's in logistics uh, and thought it was going to be very difficult to pull this off. Uh, Australia obviously has handled this a different way than the U.S. And talked to him about his perspective of having a son, uh, you know, a world away, half a world away uh, during a pandemic in one of the countries that is struggling most. Uh, with handling that pandemic. So I'll have that up for you soon, getting some player reaction today as well. So despite no sports happening this fall, we are going to continue ahead and cover this as well as we can. And we appreciate your support throughout this, um, Illini fans. We're going to try and give you as much comprehensive coverage of what this all means and how these people are dealing with this in the athletic department moving forward. It's obviously a very tough time. We are bummed personally. 
um, about all of this. And uh, we want to cover sports. We also want people to be safe. Uh, so we've gone through the wave of emotions as well. But stick with us. We appreciate your support on the site as subscribers. You can continue to get 50% off uh, your first year of annual pass if you sign up this month for Illini Inquirer. Uh, so we will continue to give you great coverage, especially on the recruiting angle as Illinois continues to try and build their class of 2021, along with every basketball coverage. Let's save basketball, can we? Uh, so we will continue to cover there. And of course, we will continue to bring you content here on the Illini Inquirer podcast. If you don't already, subscribe to us, rate us, review us wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate all of you. Have a great day. We'll chat to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast. is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.